This week on Moms Moving On. Something that I heard recently that is terrifying but true is the former president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Dr. Robert Block. He opined that ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, is the single greatest unaddressed public health concern facing our nation. So parents going through a separation or a divorce, the entire family law community, all of us, the legal pros, the mental health pros, we all need to be aware of this study. We need to understand the findings and we need to start thinking about prevention and mitigation. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back, friends, to another Moms Moving On. I am answering one of your most frequently asked questions today alongside a lady that I know you're going to love. We have Elle Barr on the podcast with us today, and she's an experienced family law attorney with a deep commitment to serving children and families. She has experience representing clients in all family law matters with an emphasis on serving as a court-appointed guardian ad litem in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. She also is a divorce mediator with collaborative training and certification as well. And you know what this tells me? She really has a heart for the children. Currently, Ms. Barr serves as a GIL in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and she's also the Judicial Education Coordinator for Our Family Wizard. I know you've heard of this app, you've heard me talk about it, and you've definitely heard your divorce attorneys bring it up. So I'm so excited to get into all of this today with you, Elle. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You have like so much great experience under your belt. I think we have to start with where and how you fell into the world of family law. Sure. I am a child of an intact marriage. My parents, they really are the example of what a healthy, happy marriage looks like. And that's kind of unusual for someone who's involved in family law, whether you're a legal practitioner or a mental health practitioner. For the most part, most of the pros that I know, they are children of divorce. But I got to see what true love really looks like, um, what it means to be in a deeply committed relationship. And my parents actually just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And it was- That's incredible. It was so, so special. I got involved in family law, I would say, once I was in my second year of law school. So I knew I wanted to work with children my whole life. I wanted to do something professionally with children. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a teacher or some type of therapist. I just knew that that was my calling. So when I was in college, my parents, they really encouraged me to take the LSAT. And I did. I scored pretty well. I had a solid GPA. And um, I didn't know 100% where law school would take me. But in my second year, I took my very first family law class and I fell in love. There was just something really, really special about it. And I was drawn to it. And I remember having a conversation with my dad and talking to him about it. And he said, oh, well, you know, we really just wanted you to go to law school to get your MRS. But you know what? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I've heard that so many times. Yeah. But he said, go hang out at the law library. Just sit there. Look pretty. (laughs) Exactly. I've heard that. 
Yeah, but you know what? I was ambitious. I worked really hard and I knew that I could do much more than just obtaining my MRS. So I got my JD and I took the bar exam. I'm licensed to practice in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C. I served as a judicial law clerk for a family court judge. And then from there, it just opened doors to many different roles in the government, um, state level, county level. And now I serve as a court-appointed GAL in both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And GAL or GAL, as you might hear somebody say, stands for guardian ad litem. And one of the most frequently asked questions I get is, when do I need one? And I know that that's like a fully loaded question because every case is so different and every circumstance is so different. But maybe first you can speak to what the role of a GAL is and how it can benefit two parents going through the divorce process. That's a great question. And I'm really glad that you asked that. So as you stated, GAL stands for guardian ad litem. And a guardian ad litem is a court-appointed attorney. And the role of the court-appointed attorney is to basically serve as an arm of the court. So as a GAL, what I do is I conduct investigations. I look into the facts, the circumstances, and all the issues that are relevant to the matter. So when I'm appointed right away, I start my investigation into the case. I review all the filings, everything from start to finish, because sometimes I come in post-judgment of divorce. So the case may have started in 2006, 2007, and here we are now in 2022. So I go through all the filings. I obtain collaterals, meaning I reach out to all of the professionals who are working with the family. So I reach out to any of the medical providers, the mental health providers, to teachers, to any tutors, relatives, anyone who's connected to the family, I reach out to them to set up interviews or to obtain collaterals. I contact both attorneys, the attorney for mom, the attorney for dad. I conduct one-on-one interviews with both parents. And then most importantly, I conduct that one-on-one interview with the child. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, you, you become ultimately the voice of the children in the courtroom or in the divorce process. And without somebody like you, a lot of times that voice doesn't get heard. And so it's a really special position that you're in. It is. You're a hundred percent spot on. And that is my most important role to serve the best interests of the child, but also to come back to the court and let the judge know exactly what the child's wishes are and what the child's position is. I may not be a hundred percent aligned with that, But I do in every single report that I draft and I submit to the judge, I put verbatim and I tell the child. And when we're meeting, I sit there with a pen and paper and I write down and I tell the child, I am documenting and writing down every single, every single word you are saying, because I want the judge to know and I want everyone to know what you want. And it's really, really important that the child feels validated and they do. They feel like, finally, I have a voice. Someone is listening to me. So, I mean, as, you know, a child of divorce and as a divorced mom, there's nothing we want more, especially after like, I'm, I'm five years out from my divorce, Elle, and I'm like, I can own the fact that when I first got separated, my decision-making process was so clouded by my emotions and my daughter was two at the time and I wasn't able to think through how she might feel when she's five, six, seven. And we overlook that as parents sometimes. So when do you think a a couple 
or when is it the most beneficial time to have a GIL appointed to your case? And, and why does it happen sometimes? And why doesn't it happen sometimes? Every case is different. I've never had the same exact family with the same exact issues. And something that is important for everyone to understand is that a GAL is court appointed, meaning the judge decides when a guardian ad litem is needed. An attorney for the parent can petition the court and request a GAL, but ultimately it's the decision of the judge. So the judge can appoint a GAL right away. If they're at a preliminary hearing or a case management conference early on and the judge sees, you know what, this is super high conflict. There's ineffective communication. I don't know what these kids want and I don't want them coming to court, but it's important for me to know. And in Pennsylvania, our statute has 16 factors that are considered when a judge is making a determination about custody. And one of those 16 factors is the well-reasoned preference of the child. So many, many times, especially when there's an older kid, the judge will appoint a GAL because the judge needs to know what is that child's preference? What are his or her wishes? And is it a well-reasoned preference? Mm -hmm. So the question, when does a GAL come in? A GAL can come in at any time. I, I come in even post-judgment of divorce, when applications are made and a parent is asking to modify um, the custody arrangement or any type of post-judgment of divorce application where it's going to impact the child. That's, that's a really great way to explain it. And talking about impacting the children, the one thing we all really want to avoid or, or that may even stop us from taking the road to divorce sooner than we should is the adverse childhood effects that come from divorce. Um, we, we refer to them as ACEs. And I know that if, if there's one thing we all want as moms is to avoid these ACEs from being a part of our children's reality. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, and that's a really, really important topic. Every single person on this planet needs to know about ACEs. So like you said, ACEs is an acronym. It stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And these experiences are traumatic events that occur during childhood. Back in the mid-90s, so when we were teenagers, we were in high school, Kaiser and the CDC, they conducted an important health research study. So they took a really deep dive and they looked into the effects of exposure to childhood trauma and how adverse childhood experiences affect adults. So they divided these childhood traumatic experiences into 10 different groups. So the 10 groups are, and I'll list them out because it's important to Do understand. It. We need to share this. Okay. So they are abuse physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, neglect, physical and emotional neglect. So those are the first five. And then the last five, the second half are household dysfunctions or household challenges. And those are mental illness of a parent, incarceration of a relative, domestic violence, substance abuse. And finally, and what I feel as a family law attorney is most important, the parental separation or divorce of a parent. So parental separation or divorce. So the study took 17,500 adults, asked them about their exposure to these 10 different traumatic events during childhood. They were given a point 
for each adverse experience. And then ultimately, at the end of the study, each participant, they were given this final score. What the researchers did is they correlated the final score with health outcomes of these participating adults. And the findings are terrifying. Are you ready? Oh, great. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So they found a direct connection between exposure to early adversity and negative health outcomes. So what that means is the higher the participant's ACE score, the greater chance of diabetes, heart attack, mental illness, depression, substance abuse, and even early death. So you're probably thinking, how is this possible? Okay, and I I wanna pause for a second and say, it's not getting divorced alone that causes these ACEs that that cause children to have these adverse childhood experiences. It's deeper than that, right? And we'll we'll get there, but finish your thought. I'm sorry, I had to throw that in there for anyone who was like about to have a nervous breakdown. Correct. It's there's 10 of them and the separation or divorce of a parent that's just one that gives you one point on your ACE score. So you have 10 possible points. So that's just one. If there's substance abuse, DV, let's say there was emotional abuse, you know, you're going up to an ACE score of three or four. So no, it's not just divorce or separation alone. It's important to distinguish that and explain that. Yeah. So what most parents are thinking, how is this possible? How is my child going to be at risk of negative health outcomes later in life? based on what they experienced as a child. Well, this is possible because adverse experiences as a child, they're affecting these little developing brains and bodies. So exposure, it impacts the pleasure and reward center of children. It also, it inhibits the prefrontal cortex. So that's the part of your brain at the front here. And that is necessary for all of your executive functioning for impulse control. That comes into play when your child's sitting in school and paying attention and doing their seat work. They need to be able to have executive functioning. Adverse experiences also affect the fear response center so that fight or flight. So if you got a kiddo who's got an A score of three or four, that fight or flight is on all the time. It's always activated. So yeah, it's, it's impacting their developing brain and their body. And we know from the research, for example, uh, an adult who has an ACE score of four, that adult is seven times more likely to be an alcoholic, 12 times more likely to attempt suicide. And something that I heard recently that is terrifying but true is the former president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Dr. Robert Block, he opined that ACEs adverse childhood experiences is the single greatest unaddressed public health concern facing our nation. So parents going through a separation or a divorce, the entire family law community, all of us, the legal pros, the mental health pros, we all need to be aware of this study. We need to understand the findings and we need to start thinking about prevention and mitigation. 
Hey everyone, I've now added courses to my website because you know what? There can never be enough information out there as you're navigating divorce and co-parenting, am I right? So if you're just thinking of getting divorced and don't know where to start, I have the perfect course for you. It's called, It's Time to Leave My Marriage, Now What? And it gives you all the steps from what questions to ask your lawyer to when to even reach out to a lawyer, how to break the news to your ex and your family, and most importantly, how to handle it with your kids. My other course is how to safeguard your relationship with your children when you're dealing with a high conflict ex-spouse. You know, if you have someone who's going to badmouth you in front of the kids. All of this is important stuff to know. So head on over to my website, momsmovingon.com and check out the courses tab today. In just a few short weeks, my first book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice for Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self will finally be out in stores. But it is available for pre-order now. So don't forget to grab a hold of that because for everybody who pre-orders, I'll be holding a special publishing day event just for you. Email info at momsmovingon.com for more information. Prevention, unfortunately, for a lot of us, you know, we we choose to get divorced and one of the parties in the divorce will say, okay, I'm going to commit to being the very best parent I can be, never speaking badly about the other parent, really championing my children's relationship with their other parent and doing all that is good. A lot of times the other parent is not doing the same thing. So we can't control that, Right. But how can we show up to mitigate the effects to ensure that our children still have, you know, all the available opportunities to thrive despite what may be a challenging or high conflict divorce? And that's an important point, important question. Yes, we all need to be cognizant that we can only control ourselves, our own emotions, our own behaviors, our own feelings. But we need to be a team with our children. And yeah, you can't force anybody to do that, but you need to do your best to put your children first, to limit that exposure to adverse childhood experiences, to all those household challenges and dysfunction that I mentioned, and keep that the findings from the ACE study in the back of your mind and what this childhood trauma does, this toxic stress that's going into your child, you know, share with your co-parent the findings from this study. Let your co-parent know, look, look at what this is doing, look what can happen to our child. Look at the effects on long-term health. It's impacting and impairing their brain and their bodies. And one thing that I mention all the time to parents, it's the three C's. And yeah, it goes in one ear, out the other, but I wanna just mention it again communicate, cooperate, compromise. If you do this for your children, you're really, really giving them the greatest gift on earth. You're becoming a team. I love that. The three C's. The three C's. And, And they're not just words. They have real meaning. So to communicate, communicate is just not talking, talk. It's communicating effectively, listening, and comprehending. And if you can't do the very first C, my recommendation would be get on a platform like Our Family Wizard, where you can have the tools that you need to manage all of those daily responsibilities that come with raising children in separate homes. And so you don't have the conflict when you're scheduling appointments or you're discussing your parenting plan or you're sharing information or you're messaging each other. 
we have on the Our Family Wizard platform a message board where parents can send messages to each other with a tone meter. The tone meter is essentially the equivalent of an emotional spell check. So as a parent is typing in real time, the tone meter will pop up with red bars and will flag any emotionally charged words and let the parent know what you're typing may come across as humiliating, or this may be upsetting, or the other parent may interpret this as aggressive. So yeah, communicates that first C, but think about the big picture of communicating and cooperating, being the team and compromising, being flexible. You know, you don't always have to be right prioritize peace and your children over being right and keep those three C's in mind. You're literally preaching everything I preach every day. So I'm just sitting here like, yes, but I, I want to talk about the tone meter and why tone and how you deliver a message to your ex is important. Cause you may think, oh, my child won't hear this. Who the hell cares if I tell him off or I respond emotionally or whatever. Think of the last time you got a verbal or a text assault from somebody who was making your life difficult and your kids were around, were you still able to put the phone down and show up as your best cheery self and and just let all that anger and hate go? No, it affects you. It affects every part of you. And then that in turn affects the kids. So if your children are going to and somehow take in those negative vibes you're putting in the text message, or it's going to piss your ex off enough to have it rub off on the kids, why do it? And I love that there is literally something that slaps you on the wrist and says, no, don't say that. You will cause a problem. Because look, if you're not going to worry about your ex's emotions, great. You shouldn't have to. You're not with them anymore. But you should worry about how their emotions affect the kids. And you have to be responsible for that. Agreed. A hundred percent. And that's what putting your children first and putting them front and center means. It means being aware of emotions and keeping everyone in check and keeping your family running as one and doing your best to reduce the conflict, not letting your children see your facial expressions or your body language. They read it even as young as three, four, five years old. They can tell when there's a difference in tone. They could see as your eyes roll back or your face changes because you've read something that's upsetting. So a hundred percent utilize any tool, anything that you can to help keep your children the priority and keep them in the center. So if we go back to mitigating these ACEs and you're in a situation where you're very concerned about how your child is being affected by the behavior of the other parent, what's, what do we do next? Like what happens now? <laughs> no, that's a really important question. So oftentimes when I go out, you know, damage has already been done. You know, we're not talking prevention. We're talking mitigation treatment now. So first and foremost, that's why I started when I mentioned ACEs that everyone needs to know about, everyone needs to be educated about it and trained about it. Our medical community, mental health community, they're starting to understand it. But if you notice a change in your child's behavior, if you see you know, mood changes, whatever it is acting out, first and foremost, like anything, if your child got stung by a bee and all of a sudden you saw that your child's arm is swelling up, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the pediatrician, right? And you're going to get your child examined. You're going to have your child screened. So the same thing, if you notice changes right away, go to your doctor, ask your doctor, do you screen for ACEs? There are a lot of pediatricians that are now screening and they should be screening at every well visit. Then from the pediatrician, depending on what they tell you, if you're not satisfied, 
reach out to a mental health pro. And I recommend all the time in almost every single report, because when I'm brought in, there's already children experiencing trauma. I recommend that these children participate in one-on-one mental health counseling with a trauma-informed therapist. Go seek out the very best, you know, just like you would do for anything else for your child. I remember after I had my first child, I'm there in the labor delivery room and in comes like the nursing consultants or the La Leche ladies ready to go. And I'm like, wait, I just had my baby. And I remember, I'm never going to forget this. They said, well, you want the best for your child, right? So we're here to help you. We're going to teach you how to nurse. So I keep that in mind. I bring that up often to parents. I'm like, did that happen to you after you had your baby? And I said, the same thing here. You want the very best outcomes for your child. So go seek out mental health pros who are trauma-informed. Talk to the teachers. See whether or not there's any services that can be provided in school. Talk to the guidance counselor and to other professionals in the family law community, divorce coaches, collaborative pros. If you think there's anybody, a parenting coordinator or anyone else in the family law or mental health community that can help you, without a doubt, reach out. I love that. Oh my God, that's so important. And, you know, I believe prevention is key, but we can't prevent it. Is early intervention enough to help, you know, stop these ACEs from dictating our children's futures? And that's a great question. Early intervention is a service that usually comes in to help with cognitive delays, physical delays, and they come in and they assess your child. And similarly, you know, the same thing. Yeah, we should be obtaining every single early intervention that is possible to address adversity, to help our kids. So their fight and flight isn't on every single second, being activated. Imagine being in the forest every single day and seeing a bear. And every day, your heart's pounding, you know, your hormones are rushing. That is what's going on in these little developing bodies, in in their brains and everything that's being absorbed, their fight and flight is on and they are stressed and that stress is being internalized and it's causing damage immediately. And we know from the ACE study that that damage is going to be long-term. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. So I need to go back to... You can petition the court to, or you can have your lawyer petition the court to ask for a guardian to be appointed to your case. When do you think it's important to do that? There are a few times when it's important to have that discussion with your attorney. Um, It's important to bring it up when you feel that your child has a well-reasoned preference with respect to custody and visitation. If there's something going on and you've noticed a change in your child's mood or behavior, if you're still in the the divorce litigation process, if you haven't received your divorce decree yet, bring it up right away. Let the attorney know, you know what, something's going on. And if your child's not talking to you and sharing with you, it could be because they're fearful. It could be because they just don't even know how to process all of these feelings and emotions. And that's the number one reason they would need a GAL. Someone, you know, I've had 18 years of experience. So I go in, I go into those homes, I see those kids and I think, oh yeah, these kids need all the supports and services under the sun. And guess what? Thank God I'm here because I'm going to make sure that this kiddo gets everything that they deserve. So for a parent who's in the process right now and you notice changes, talk to your attorney about uh, 
making an application or petitioning the court for the appointment of a guardian ad litem. If you're post-divorce, if you've already obtained your divorce decree or your judgment, your marital settlement agreement has been entered, and there's going to be a change in custody for whatever reason it is, also start thinking, do I want my child's preference, position, and wishes conveyed to the court? Is this a time that a GAL should be appointed and come in as well? Such, such helpful information. And I know you just answered so many questions for so many of my followers and listeners. Um, So you provide education for the judges through Our Family Wizard? Through Our Family Wizard, I'm the judicial education coordinator. I travel all over the country and I educate the family law judges on the benefits and the features and the co-parenting tools that Our Family Wizard provides. Okay. And so you already spoke to the tone meter. What is your other favorite benefit to using an app like Our Family Wizard? I mean, I'm the biggest fan of Our Family Wizard. There's so many features. I could talk all day about the benefits and the tools. If I had to pick one other tool on the platform, it would be the trade swap request. So once a parent has their parenting schedule, they put it onto the calendar. Let's say it's a 2552. If they want to negotiate privately with the other parent, and swap up some time, let's say it's dad's weekend and dad has to go away on Saturday, whatever it is from Saturday, 4 p.m. to Sunday, 11 a.m. Dad can submit a trade swap request to mom, fill out the fields, ask mom, would you be willing to take the kids Saturday, 4 p.m. till Sunday, 11 a.m. in exchange for me taking them on one of your weekends for that same time frame, It is empowering for the parents. It puts them in a position where they're able to negotiate respectfully with confidence. And there's no messages going back and forth. It's almost like a form that gets filled out, submitted to the other parent. And then the other parent has the opportunity to approve, refuse, or counter. It's kind of like fantasy football. It's similar to that when you're making your trades. And they could go back and forth as many times as they need to. Everything's documented. And it's just a really, really special tool. And when you see co-parents negotiating with the trade swap, you know that they are in a good place and they are doing what's best for their children because they are able to negotiate on their own without calling their divorce coach, without calling their PC, and without calling their attorney. So important. I love that you spoke to that. Thank you. Elle, this has been incredibly insightful. I know it's providing so much um, support and, and it's helpful for moms to hear that things can be stopped in their tracks. You can turn around these adverse childhood experiences from really, really making more of an impact than it needs to. And I'm so grateful you joined us today. Where can people learn more about you if they want to get in touch with you? Thank you, Michelle. Anyone can find me on the Our Family Wizard website. So it's www.ourfamilywizard.com or mbar at ourfamilywizard.com or on Instagram or LinkedIn if you type in LBAR. And I'm super easy to find if you just Google LBAR. Awesome. I love it, Elle. Thank you so much for being here. And for those of you listening, thank you also for being here. Please be sure to be in touch with any questions about this episode or requests for any other topics. We'll see you soon. Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process. 
From legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists and it's called the Moms Moving On membership community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com and click on become a member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.